What's up, y'all, and welcome to Leadership with LaToya for Leaders on the Road. We're excited to bring you our next episode in season four. We're going to talk about principal development and mentorship. How do we make sure we have great uh, methods and programs to develop leaders and to mentor them so that they can have a successful tenure in the role of principal? But our show wouldn't be what it is without our great co-host, Mike Wakesness. Hey, Mike, what's up? Hey, Latoya, how are you doing today? I'm great. How are you? You know, I am so excited, Mike, because our Leadership with Latoya stickers are finally here, and we have the Leadership with Latoya Challenge going on right now, encouraging school leaders to get in classrooms and provide high-quality feedback, which we define as targeted and specific, connected to student learning, and actionable changes the practice or instructional behavior of teachers and student outcomes. And when people report um, how many walkthroughs or observations they got in for a week we take a look and pick a random winner we try to find the person with the most and we send them one of our leadership with latoya stickers don't you think that's cool how exciting i know i've all you know i was just thinking like everybody has stickers for stuff now so why can't leadership with latoya have stickers so we do so now we have stickers but mike you know what what i want to talk about today is something that has been heavily on my mind for some time now you may remember your beginning days as a principal um, when you first started. Do you recall by chance who your assigned mentor was? No, I have no idea. I was just wondering about that. I think there's an opportunity for us. I was thinking about this, you know, in terms of mentorship and professional development, once you leave the classroom, Districts don't seem to organize a lot of purposeful ways to provide professional development for their leaders. There are lots of things for teachers, um, other support staff, um, but what's being done for leaders and not just principals and assistant principals, but even district office leaders like you. Um, what are your thoughts about that? How can we do a do a better job? Let's start with just development, with having some organized, meaningful, purposeful, deliberate professional development for our school level and district level leaders. You know, it's so interesting when you, when we were talking earlier in the week and you said, hey, how about this for a topic? That's something that I'm, I don't want to say struggling with, but something I'm grappling with right now because in my current role, um, I get to work with the, with the principals. Um, I'm not their supervisors or anything like that, but I want to be of service to them and support them in any way I can. Um, so I've been really, you know, really since I've been in this position going on to three years now, trying to think how can I best provide support to the principals because I remember when I was a principal, you know, it wasn't that long ago when we were principals together, there wasn't a whole lot of, you know, support for us. There were things we could search out on our own, and we certainly did that, and that's certainly valuable. But, you know, I've never really seen a great structure for for principals. Um, something new that our district that I currently work in is doing um, is, a, is a leadership academy where we are trying to provide some targeted ongoing support for, for principals. But, you know, in other districts I've been in and, and talking with other uh, principals, assistant principals out there, I just, that's certainly not the norm. That's more of a, more of an exception. And then I think when you get to the district leadership position, there's even less um, opportunities for professional development. So that is, you know, something that certainly is a concern in education today. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. 
you know, I think about, you know, towards the end of my time as a principal with you when we were co-principals, um, I think about the fact that I began to grapple with that same thing. What am I doing to develop myself? How am I making sure that I'm staying current professionally, that I'm learning? And so I think it's easy for leaders if we're not careful because there aren't specific pathways designed for our professional development necessarily. It's easy for us to get into this rut, this sort of stagnant um you know, uh, type deal where we are just, we're supporting everybody, we're helping everybody, but what are we doing to develop ourselves to get better at our own craft? So I would guard against that. So Mike, I guess one of the questions I have is if you could wave a magic wand and just create whatever type of mentorship slash professional development plan for school and district leaders, tell me about what you would do or what do you think would be important as a part of that? So I think, you know, I don't know the answer to that. That's a really tough question, but but I certainly want to share my thoughts on it. And one thing I really think, there needs to be separation. So, like, if you're looking from a district standpoint, there needs to be separation from, in my opinion, evaluation and support. So I think, and even, I mean, I don't see really how that could be done by the same person. Maybe it can be. Um, But I think there needs to be a clear delineation between, okay, this is support for you and this is how you are evaluated. Because sometimes I think um, principals, teachers, whoever, they feel like if it's the same person that's evaluating them, like, is this really evaluation or is this support? And, you know, I think districts usually have the best intentions in mind, but I think sometimes that could become a little bit cloudy. So um, I think there needs to be some separation. Who are the support people who are the evaluation person? And maybe it's the same, like I said, but I think there really needs to be clear between the two because I know as a principal, what I needed most was someone that I could talk to and like, you know, get the skinny from, get the real deal, say, okay, I have this problem. Here's what I'm facing. What, What do you think I should do? And sometimes if you're in that situation, you might be more hesitant to have those conversations with somebody that is going to be evaluating you as well. So I think that's really the first step. And I don't know if you felt that way as a, as a principal or not, um, but I think some principals might be in that situation. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. And I think that's a blurry line for sure. And keeping that line clear can be a definitely be a challenge. Um, what, what about mentorship? You know, I was reading some research from McRell um, and some of their latest research about principal uh, attrition and turnover says that most principals, um, only 35 percent of principals uh, have a tenure beyond three years in a school. Um, they either move up, move out, or move on, I think is what the article quoted. How do you think mentorship or lack thereof impacts that? And how could we change that so that principals are getting the support they need, not just in terms of being developed and growing their, their learning and leadership, but having a, a really robust quality mentorship program? I think first districts really need to make it a priority. You know, we had mentioned, I think you mentioned earlier in our podcast here, you know, a lot of times our focus is on developing teachers, which of course is critically important, but a lot of times we just kind of assume, take for granted that the principals are A-OK and 
um, you know, kind of figure it out on their own. I think when districts make it a priority of developing their principles, they're going to see that they will be keeping their their principles. So again, you know, I don't know if like one certain program that said, hey, you know, all districts need to do this. There's probably not that out there. Um, but making it a priority and looking at it and talking to principals and seeing what they need, um, seeing how you can support them and see what their needs are. Because also, you know, just like with teachers, all of our principals are at different places. You know, a brand new principal is going to need something much different than a 25-year uh, veteran of the principalship. So I think talking with them, seeing what they need, and trying to develop plans that you have someone that will follow up on them. I think a lot of times that's that's a fall-off, too, a fall-off point. Um, you know, if one person is trying to support 15 principles, you know, what kind of support can they really give them? I think when we were reading Leverage Leadership, Latoya, we saw they recommended a ratio of six to one, maybe, like one principal support person, um, whatever you want to call that position, to, I mean, one principal support person to every six principles. A lot of times in districts, you have one person trying to work with 18 principles or two people working with 20 principles, and that's really hard to provide that dedicated, ongoing support when the numbers are are like that. Mm, yeah, I, I agree. I agree. I could not agree more. Um, it seems to me that the opportunity um, exists. There's a great opportunity that exists, especially with the uh, turnover rate among principals and the short tenure rate um, when, once they're in place to provide principals with a more robust mentorship program and really matching them up with folks. And maybe maybe that doesn't necessarily mean like another experienced principal. Maybe it means a retired person who can come in and act as an executive coach. Maybe it means somebody who fills a role within the district to serve as a true support so that that line isn't blurred, especially in a principal's onboarding years, which would I would call the first three years or the onboarding years. Um, you know, there are lots of different ways I think that could be addressed, but I am concerned about um, that number and what that means for our schools and our students. And I'm also concerned about the opportunity for development and how we get better at that. I mean, you know, that's one reason we developed leadership with LaToya because we want to be a community that allows leaders to have a place to learn, to grow, to connect, and to be inspired and to share um, things that are working really well for them. If you had to recommend um, for a principal who maybe is in a district where there isn't a lot of opportunity or resources for professional development, but they want to go out on their own and do some things to be developed, what's some books or maybe some experiences that you might recommend? Oh, there are so many great books um, that I know we have both used together um, as principals that really shaped a lot of what we did. But Leverage Leadership, um, that's one you hear a lot. If you have not uh, checked that out as a principal, I would certainly, certainly take a look. Um, there's also Leverage Leadership 2.0 now. There's a Leverage Leadership 2.0 a Principal Manager's Guide. Um, and I don't even like that term, Principal's Manager, but basically it, it helps you think about how you can support groups of principals. Um, so I've used that. Anything with professional learning communities, Solution Tree is a great one. But I think really, and, you know, this might kind of sound self-serving in a way, but, you know, the Leadership of Latoya community, you know, being able to discuss with practitioners, um, with former practitioners that may be still in education but maybe not a principal anymore, um, 
to talk about these things where you may not have that opportunity um, in your daily work because we know principal, the principalship is very lonely. Um, so developing a, uh, a team of people that you can talk to and share ideas with, um, bounce things off of, I think that, that has been the most impactful to me is being able to collaborate with others that are kind of in the same situation. Yeah, I, I can't agree more. I mean, the opportunity for collaboration we know is great for teachers, but you're right. This is great for leaders. It is something that helps all of us um, get better, grow, and learn. So, Mike, we're going to take a break, and right after this, we'll come back with our On the Grow segment. We'll be right back after the break. This week's On the Grow segment focuses on excellent leadership. We're looking at what great leaders do. And in my conversation with Mike, I asked him, you know, just off the cuff, Mike, tell me some of the things you think great leaders do. And here's some of the things that Mike shared. And I'll ask him to elaborate on some of these. Great leaders know when to ask for help. Mike, that's huge. What are your thoughts around that? I think, um, oh, I don't have any data to support this, but I really truly believe this. And I've seen it from uh, multiple perspectives. Leaders are afraid to ask for help, and that really gets you in trouble. So um, I don't know any way to say that, and you know, but you need to be willing to ask for help. I've seen principals, I've seen assistant principals get in trouble when they are afraid because they think it's going to make them look bad. And I don't know, it's why maybe that goes back to um, what we were talking about, having a clear delineation between, okay, this is support for principals, this is evaluation for principals. So being willing to ask for help and show that it's okay to ask for help, that's a, that's a big issue, I think, with leadership. Yeah, no, no doubt. I think that's a hard thing. And I think over time with experience, sometimes um, experiences that teach us that it's okay to ask for help, we get better at that. Next on the grow thought, great leaders know how to value the input of all stakeholders. Mike, tell us more about that one. So I was thinking of the value, the ability to value the input of all stakeholders, but also know that you don't make decisions based off of every single stakeholder group. So really taking the input and valuing the input that others may give you, um, but not following the lead of the loudest person, so to speak. You know, sometimes... Um, someone might have a specific hidden agenda or not even hidden a specific agenda and you want to make sure you listen to the input of your stakeholders but not letting that drive every single decision you make. Yeah, I agree. I think that the real beauty is trying to find a way to reach consensus with stakeholders because, you know, everybody comes from different backgrounds, different experiences, so obviously there are multiple perspectives and ways to look at um, things in, in different ways and so our job as leaders is to listen, as you said, to give consideration to stakeholders and then try our best to reach consensus. And our last on-the-go uh, thought about great leaders, um, leaders that are on the grow work to empower teacher leaders. Oh, this is one of my favorites. I think, you know, it's so important that we're working to empower and build the capacity of others. I believe, Mike, that that is the true test of leadership, not what we can do as individuals, but our ability to grow and develop and empower others. Tell us about that one. Well, I think I certainly struggled with that when I was a 
um, a rookie principal and probably my first few years because I wanted to give off the impression that I knew everything and I had everything under control. And I quickly learned, you know, that that is such the wrong way to look at things. And um, no leader is going to know everything. Uh, that's just impossible for, for that to be um, true. So how can you develop your teachers to be leaders? And also, I would include your assistant principals. How can you develop them to be uh, even better leaders and taking their expertise and involving that in your work as a principal? You can't do it alone. Don't try to do it alone. You're so right about that. Um, you know, one of the beauties of being a co-principal and working with you was that I never felt like I had to do it alone or that I was doing it alone. It was truly one of the most rewarding experiences of my career. I think we both learned a lot about each other and about ourselves and our leadership. And I like to tell folks that it's central to, to my thoughts and views and perspectives right now on leadership. Well, folks... Certainly. And Latoya, I want to add, you know, listeners out there, um, if you could leave a comment or contact us about, if you, would you like to learn more about our co-principalship and some of the work we did at a extremely low-performing school, and we um, greatly increased the student performance, not just us, of course, the teachers, they're where the, you know, the rubber meets the road, but... Well, Toy, I think we might have some really good stories to share on how we moved a um, historically struggling school to um, the trajectory that they needed to be on. Um, but I would like to know from our listeners, like, is that something you'd be interested in learning more about, whether it's through a podcast series or... On our YouTube um, channel? Yeah, yeah, YouTube channel. How Would you like to hear about that? Would that be of interest to you? Um, we could share some of the struggles we had and some of the triumphs also. Awesome. So shoot us a comment on Twitter. We have a new Twitter handle. It's at with Latoya. Um, shoot us a comment or an email by going to our webpage and clicking on the contact button. Or you can follow us on Instagram or Facebook, Leadership with Latoya. We're in both places. Uh, we're all over social media. We want to hear from you. Uh, if you haven't already, we are encouraging you to join our Leadership with Latoya challenge. Our goal is to help leaders get into classrooms, observe teachers in practice, and give feedback that leads to improved practice, instructional practice, and advanced student outcomes. Until next time, folks, we encourage you to be you. Be true. Be a hope builder. This is Leadership with LaToya for Leaders on the Grow.